Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of our Wednesday night study entitled A Study of Prayer based on the book How to Pray by Ronnie Floyd. Since this is a discussion-based study, we have edited out the comments made by those in attendance due to the fact that they do not have a microphone. May you draw closer to God each day in your prayer life. Lesson 13, Fasting as Part of Prayer. Bible with me or open your study materials with me. We're going to move another step farther in our study in prayer. Uh, if you were with me the last time we met, two weeks ago, uh, we were talking about fasting. Uh, and this is, this is one of those subjects that maybe you know a lot about as far as what it means. Uh, I think probably there's a great variety uh, in, in how we practice it or whether we practice it. Uh, however, it is certainly a biblical principle. We're going to look at it. But, but here's, here's the, the crux of the matter. Nobody can tell you how to practice this. It is your decision. It is, it is your uh, working it out with the Lord. It's, it has to do with laying something aside that you might increase your communication, your fellowship, and your walk with the Lord. Giving up something in order to concentrate on our walk with the Lord. That's what fasting is about. Now, in biblical terms, it mainly uh, deals with fasting from food. But there are other applications as well in the Bible. For example... Uh, the Sabbath in Israel. If you remember, the Sabbath was commanded by God to the nation of Israel and no one else. Let me remind you of that. God gave Israel the Sabbath, which was Saturday worship. Now, the Hebrew term for Sabbath is Shabbat. Uh, and, it, and, and it literally means to interrupt or to completely cease an activity. So the root of Shabbat, the root of worship, is to fast from the regular routine of your week and lay aside time that you give completely to the Lord. So whether you know it or not, when you give time to the Lord in worship, on Sundays, in devotional through the week, when you lay aside time, that really is a time of fasting. When you're laying aside the normal earthly routines of life, being at work or cooking or grocery shopping, whatever it might be, taking care of the kids. When you lay aside those earthly activities and give time to the Lord, that there in some sense of the word is a form of fasting there. So you may fast more than you think you do. Uh, in that you're giving time to the Lord, that you might be fed, that you might be replenished, and that you and I might walk more closely with Him. So let me also say then on the heels of that, that fasting uh, in our modern day can certainly apply uh, to other areas of our life uh, besides food. Uh, fasting from TV, fasting from social media, put your iPhone, put your phone away for a certain period of time. Cut off communication with the world. Forget about Facebook for a little bit. Uh, lay it aside uh, and, and completely give your time and yourself and your attention to where the Lord would uh, fit into your life and fit into leading you and me. Giving that extra time to God. Uh, dedicating that time to the Lord. Here's, here's God's definitive statement on fasting. If you would like to write this down or turn in your Bible with me. Isaiah chapter 58 verses 5 through 8. 
So this is kind of a definition of fasting. In fact, my little heading in my Bible says God's way of fasting. Isaiah 58. So here we are in prophecy, verses 5 through 8. And here are the words of the Lord. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, that, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then... Shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Now, isn't that interesting? So, by God's definition, the fast is to lay aside time away from food or in our modern days, social media, whatever it might be, that we might bow down our head as a bulrush. To bow before him. And of course in the biblical day to sit in ashes was to sit in repentance. To be sorry for our sin. To be sorry for the breakdown of our relationship through sin. That we might ask to be forgiven and restored and draw closer to him. But also notice that God says in verse 6. Is this not the fast that I've chosen? Loosing the bands of wickedness. Undoing heavy burdens. To let oppression go, go free. Break every yoke. Uh, And notice in verse 7, it says, when you take your eyes off of yourself and you give that attention and that time and that devotion to the Lord, it opens your eyes to other people as well. Because in verse 7, it says you're going to give bread to the hungry. You're going to bring poor even into your house. You're going to see the naked. You're going to cover that person. Uh, You won't hide from the flesh of other people. You will open your eyes to the needs of others as you draw closer and you walk to the Lord. So there are many reasons that we would take time to give to the Lord, laying aside our little normal schedules that we might have more open hearts and eyes to His will in our life. So fasting has a great deal of benefit for us. In Psalm 35 verse 13 David said, King David said, I humbled my soul with fasting. To humble yourself in biblical terms means that you lie low, that you prostrate yourself before the Lord, lying flat down before him. Uh, That's what David is saying when he says, I've humbled myself with fasting. I am lying flat down before God, seeking his will. That prone position is a position of surrender. Of course, you know the reason we bow our heads, it's, a, it's the bearing of the neck, which is a position of surrender in wartime. Bearing the neck before God, bowing your head before God is a position of surrendering to His will and giving up our own. So we surrender, as David says, we humble ourselves before God. Uh, 
Now, also in taking a look at fasting, we know that the Bible has many examples of fasting throughout. It appears in Scripture many, many times. Uh, Just write this reference down. I'm not going to read this whole reference. Go back to it in your devotional time. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 8 through 34. There are some guidelines for fasting there in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verses 8 through 34 in the Old Testament. The Jewish people fasted on the most important day of their year of faith, and that was the day of atonement. In Hebrew, Yom Kippur. And they, the Jews understood that fasting prepared uh, them to acknowledge this great day of God's forgiveness. It is their day that they most importantly recognize and remember and celebrate and thank God for their deliverance. Uh, now, I also want to give you some other biblical passages here. You can either write them down or follow along with me if you want to flip over in your Bible to them. But, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to notice the themes of what fasting covers as we look at the biblical term here uh, in different passages of Scripture. First one, uh, Ezra. Let me, let me tell you about Ezra as we're uh, preparing to see these verses. Ezra is preparing a group who have been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, or they are part of the second generation who were born in Babylon during that 70-year period. The 70 years are now over. Many of the people who grew up and lived in Babylon for those 70 years decided that they didn't want to come back to the Holy Land. They didn't want to come back to Jerusalem. They wanted to remain right there. So there were a remnant of people who were leaving Babylon and going back to the Holy Land, going back to Jerusalem. So Ezra and Nehemiah are contemporaries, and they're tied closely together. But Ezra is preparing a group to travel from captivity in Babylon back to Jerusalem. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Write that, uh, write that reference down, and go back to it when you can. But let me read what it says. This is Ezra saying... Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. What is Ezra asking for here? He says, I am calling for us to fast to humble ourselves before God that we might have safety and that our children might have safety on this journey from Babylon back to our home. But he says, I want us to prepare our hearts and prepare our lives for God's will. So the theme here for this particular fast is protection. The reason Ezra called for the fast was for God to protect the people in travel. Uh, you know, you know and, I, and I immediately thought, especially with the mention here in this verse, that we need to fast, we need to, we need to approach God to protect our little ones. Uh, and they might not be in the way of bodily harm in their little lives that they're living right now, but, but there is a great clamor for their minds. You believe that? The world is clamoring for our little ones' minds. Uh, number one, we in our homes need to set a Christian, godly, God, Word of God foundation for our little ones to learn and to grow up in. 
But I believe, too, we need to be on a regular basis approaching God to protect their minds and keep his uh, hands of protection around our little ones that they'll grow up in a godly way. Ernie? Ezra 8, 21. Ezra 8, 21. Yes, sir. All right, so another reference that you might want to write down uh, as you want to go back and study this, I hope you will, is 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. Uh, I'm not going to read that verse, but, but here's the essence of it. The fourth king of the nation of Judah uh, proclaimed a national fast to seek the Lord for protection and direction uh, as God delivered his people. In fact, yeah, let me, let me go to that. Uh, so, Second Chronicles, uh, chapter twenty, verse three. Second Chronicles twenty-three. Here's what it says: And Jehoshaphat feared, and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So here we have, we don't have just a fast of a few people. This is a national fast that is proclaimed. This is in Judah, and it's proclaimed by Jehoshaphat the king. That the nation is to fast, asking for God's protection and God's direction. Could you imagine what could happen to America if we could nationally come before God, setting aside time to follow Him, setting aside a fast for Him? Okay, here's another one. Again, uh, the, the team of Ezra and Nehemiah. When Nehemiah heard the deplorable conditions of Jerusalem, uh, the terrible news became such a burden that it was called to, the nation was called to fast. That is in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. As Nehemiah saw the awful, broken condition of Jerusalem, the nation was called to fast. And God called him back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around the city. So uh, Nehemiah himself was the primary faster here because he was the one who was going to lead the nation to rebuild the city, rebuild the walls. Uh, and so Nehemiah then was called by God to fast as a leader. Uh, that's important. Again, if you're leading in ministry, we need to always be surrendered to God for His leading. We don't want to step out on our own wisdom, our, our own plan. We want Him to be the leader. So we set aside a time uh, that we might surrender to Him. And as Nehemiah was called to fast, so should we. Uh, now, here's another reference to a fast. This is a great reference. Don't lose this one. The greatest recorded revival... In all of human history took place in a city called Nineveh. Maybe you'll remember that reference. It was uh, a response and a result of Jonah's preaching. You need to read the book of the minor prophet Jonah uh, in your Old Testament. It's entertaining reading, of course, as it starts out. It's entertaining all the way through uh, because Jonah runs away from God. He gets on a ship. You know all all the ins and outs of Jonah. It's a great story. Jonah did not go as a willing prophet. 
Uh, and when his prophecy came true, he brooded over it and he pouted over it. It's just a great little book. You need to read it. You see a lot of the human response uh, in, in Jonah. It's a, great, it's a great little book. But uh, Jonah comes to Nineveh. He has been vomited up on the seashore by a great fish. Uh, you know, those of us who have studied that say that as he rode in the belly of the fish for three days, he, he had to languish in the digestive juices of that fish all three days. I'm stepping out on something. I wasn't going to say all this tonight, but it's so much fun. But, so he, he's in the fish, in the digestive juices of the fish for three days. And, and so those who've researched it said when he was vomited up on the shores of Nineveh that he was bleached and hairless. He was the nastiest looking thing you've ever seen. So when he walked through the streets of Nineveh, nobody could miss his presence there. He was such a nasty soul walking down the streets. He commanded attention by how bad he looked. But he preached repentance, and Nineveh responded to Jonah's call. Uh, If you would like to hear what happened, turn to Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. It's, of course, in your Old Testament, toward the end of the Old Testament, in the Minor Prophets, Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. Listen to the Bible. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. It took you three days to walk across it. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes." And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands." Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he, had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So the greatest recorded revival in history came from a city that was immersed in evil, immersed in immorality, and heard Jonah's preaching. The king got hold of it, made a decree, and ordered the entire city, three days' journey across. You heard Jonah goes a third of the way in. He goes in a day's journey, begins preaching. Uh, And the the king calls that city to a huge, great fast. uh, And the city was... Uh, spared by God in that moment, in that day. It did not, by the way, the, the, the response of Nineveh did not last. Uh, Nineveh did come under punishment. But at the, the initial response was the fasting brought uh, 
the repentance and brought the sparing of God to Nineveh for that time. So, one part of repentance, or rather one part of fasting is repentance. So, we've got protection, we've got direction, we've got repentance is our reasons that we would go before God in a fast. Uh, okay, in the New Testament, John the Baptist fasted and prayed. You can find that in Luke chapter 5, verses 33, or rather, verse 33. Uh, Paul practiced fasting and prayer. You remember, especially in Acts chapter 9, uh, in his moment of conversion, uh, when he was blinded by God, uh, he, did not, he did not eat or drink for three days. It was a fasting on Paul's part uh, as he was surrendered before God in those days. It was a turnaround for him, and he came to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So those days of fasting brought him to the Savior and brought him to be one of the greatest Christian servants who's ever walked the face of the earth. Matthew chapter 6, uh, why don't, uh, verses 16 through 18. Why don't you turn to this one? Uh, this one's easy to get to, I know. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. We are here in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 16. Here's teaching on fasting from the Word of the Lord. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. I'm suffering for the Lord. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So Jesus qualifies the fast. By the way, I want you to notice uh, verse 16. He says, moreover, when ye fast. He doesn't say if you fast. Jesus is implying here that this is going to be a direction that we will want to take as we draw closer to the Lord. So he, he doesn't say, if, if you choose to fast. He says, when you fast. Uh, there's direction there. Don't, you don't miss that. Uh, but as Jesus describes fasting, he said, this is really a very private, solitary moment with God when you're fasting, however you fast, be it with food, be it with getting away from media, pulling aside to give time to the Lord and surrendering to Him uh, in a special kind of way. Uh, Jesus says, don't brag on your spiritual preparation. He said, you know, these fake guys out there disfigure their faces so people can say, look how they're suffering for the Lord as they go through their fast. Randy? Well, certainly, I, I, God rewards us in the way that is best in eternity. Uh, sometimes His rewards are, the, are yeses, and sometimes they're no. But, but I believe, Randy, that the reward we get from God is that because we have striven to, dry, to, to, to come closer to Him, that He's going to reward our fast by giving us the blessing of whatever His will is in that area that we uh, are approaching Him about. Uh, the, the reward that the, that the fakes are getting is the, is the adoration of men. 
You know, look at them. They're so godly. They're just fasting away. And, uh, and, and look at the way that their spirituality has led them. So they've gotten, they've gotten the adoration uh, and the pats on the back from people. And, and, and Jesus said, that's their reward. That's all they're getting. Because God has ignored what they're doing. They're doing it for the wrong reason. They're doing it for attention. And Jesus said, no, no, you're to fast so that nobody knows you are. Even if you're out in public, you don't speak about it. You don't talk about it. It's a private, it's a private uh, matter that you're carrying out with God uh, as you're fasting. And you need to go out in public for something. Don't talk about it. Keep it secret. And as you keep it secret in your life, God will openly then reward you. Uh, but I, I do believe as with Randy's question, that it has to do with receiving God's will and God's blessing in that area in which you're fasting about. Anybody else have a a comment about that? Okay. Um, Well, as we we, uh, look at Jesus, we're seeing we've established a point uh, that, that we really need to look at this in the multitudes of ways, first of all, that you're called to fast. It is a food thing, but it doesn't have to be a food thing. Uh, look at what a fast could mean in your life. You, you can look at what you or I need to look at my own personal life. I'm not pointing at you. I'm just saying you, but uh, it's, this includes me too. We look at ourselves and see those areas where we need to draw closer to God. And what can we do? What can we lay aside that we might approach Him and surrender? That we might show Him that we're concentrating on our relationship with him and his will in that particular matter. So we've establishing a, or we're establishing a point here that we're seeing in Scripture, and that is we should consider this as a part of spiritual preparation. Uh, and we have to depend on the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our own personal walk, in our own personal life, for, to establish the seasons and the times of fasting that he calls us to. Uh, it's not for me to dictate to you when you're supposed to fast. That, that's a personal matter that you work out with the Lord. Uh, no one can force you to the practice of faith. It's extremely personal, it's extremely private, and it's extremely individual. Uh, uh, there, now, also, I will say this. There may be some times, and, and maybe this past year, uh, as, I, as I read this and thought about this, maybe this past year would have been a time that I should have called the church to fasting. When we go through some real challenge as a church, it would be very appropriate for us to, to be called to a fast. Uh, Clyde? Exactly. So, great point. So, so direction uh, and protection, but also to receive a special outpouring of power. Great point. Uh, that's true because the disciples could not get rid of that demon, could not exercise that demon out of that young man's life and, and Jesus said only can this be done through prayer and fasting so good great point that we're calling on a special outpouring of God's power uh, to get his will accomplished whatever that might be uh, but do remember this if, if you if you go into a fast and, and start telling people and bragging about it the only thing you could do is lose weight if it's food it won't be it won't be a God thing uh, well, I'm about out of time. Let me give you just uh, four very quick points about uh, guidelines that this author, Ronnie Floyd, says about fasting. Number one, you have to rely on God to establish the length of the fast. You have to rely on what your body can tolerate. Uh, don't, don't think that you can just step into a 40-day fast. 
this takes preparation for that uh, think about how the Lord will honor you and bless you and what your body can tolerate in a fast secondly uh, uh, again, he, he reiterates fasting is not just, just simply pulling away from food. There are many ways that you can establish a fast in your life. It's withdrawal from the normal patterns of life to give that time to God. Thirdly, as you fast and pray, he says one of the best things you can do is write down what comes to your mind and your time with the Lord in that particular time of fasting. Write it down so you can go back and refer to it when the fast is done. Fourth thing and last thing uh, is uh, get into your time of special focused prayer with the Lord um, and just remember that there's not one single issue that you face that God can't heal. So there will be some progress made if you will give that time to the Lord. Okay, time to pray. Uh, and thank you. Tonight we're setting aside some special time, Jeff. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you will join us on our next podcast.